Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode was a student athlete himself playing college baseball at UC San Diego, going on to earn his master's in sports psychology as well as a PhD in performance psychology. He's also worked as a master resilience trainer and performance expert for the U.S. Army. You can follow him on Twitter at MentallyPerform. He is also the mental skills coach for the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Mr. Kellen Lee. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. Yay, excited to have you on. Uh, I know you are a student athlete as well. So maybe you could start there and take us a little bit from uh, your time as a college baseball player to uh, your role and work you do now with the Giants. Yeah, um, as, a, as a college baseball player, I played at UC San Diego, go Tritons. Uh, and as a player, I was, I was really always fascinated by the mental side of the game. Um, my coach, Dan O'Brien, did a really good job of introducing us as a team to mental game concepts uh, that we could apply to ourselves, but also as a team. And uh, we definitely saw the benefits of applying all those concepts. I saw it to myself and I really re- reached a level of potential and in, in playing uh, that I never really thought was possible for myself. And, and I attribute a lot of, to the mental game. At the same time, I had quite a bit of uh, failure like the, the next season. So I, I, I was an All-American my junior year and my senior year had a high expectations. I really had, you know, aspirations to, to go on, you know, beyond college. And, and I really struggled a lot. And I, and I truly believe that I was caught up in the wrong things. I was focusing on the, the draft and being a pro and all these things. And it really got in my way of being, being successful. So I knew there was definitely something to this mental game. Uh, and then from there, um, you know, I, I knew that, going into the, 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 the field of sports psychology or performance psychology was, was really in my cards. Um, so at that time, actually, my coach got a, got a brand new job at a new university. So I, I actually worked on staff for him for two years at Santa Clara University. Uh, at the same time, I was going through my master's program. Um, and at the time, I really didn't know whether I wanted to go into coaching or, you know, do the, the mental skills side. Um, you know, I really, it was kind of a fork in the road, but then what was cool is I went to a, a baseball coach's convention and I, and I sat into a presentation, really stumbled into the presentation. And it happened to be someone who was the, the mental skills coach for the Atlanta Braves. And he was talking about his role and his, and his job. And, and I was fascinated. Again, I was really a motivated young graduate student and I was, you know, fresh into my career. And I was like, wow, like that, that's really cool. So ever since then, I, I was really fixated on, on working in professional baseball. So from there, um, I, I did some consulting after I finished my master's degree for a couple of years, worked with some college teams, with some individual athletes, had a really great time. And again, I was really, you know, on, on a quest to, to work in professional baseball. Um, so I talked to some people that work in professional baseball, and they really advised me to, to get more full-time experience doing the work. Um, so then I, I transitioned into working with the military for three years, um, the U.S. Army, which was an incredible experience. Um, got to work with an unbelievable team of professionals that I grew from and learned from. Um, and then, you know, 
at, at about three years into that job, uh, opening uh, popped open with the San Francisco Giants, and it was a great fit. Um, I interviewed with them, and and I and I now I'm moving on to year three with the Giants. Can't believe it. Um, it's incredible. It's been a great experience. But um, you know, in the mix of all that, actually, I was crazy enough to go back and get my PhD in performance psychology because yeah. I determined that my my formal education wasn't quite complete. Uh, it definitely is now. Because uh, that was uh, that was quite the journey to get that done in the midst of working full time with a family and everything, but yeah. I'm glad I did it. But yeah, that's my story. Now current mental skills coach for the San Francisco Giants, and loving every second of it, and and really have loved the the journey up until this point as well. I loved. Uh, I didn't know about your journey, the uh, stint with the Army. Is there something maybe from that experience that you use frequently with your athletes? Yeah, in fact. I would say that like the one thing I've taken a lot of things away from that, that the, the work with the military, specifically with the army. Um, the, the biggest thing that I took away is that everything can be conceptualized or seen as a performance, no matter what you do, because I was asked to work with a, a wide range of, of soldiers within the army doing a, a ton of different jobs that I honestly, I didn't even know existed in the army. So yeah. it, it was a challenge to, to apply all of my sport and performance psychology concepts to, you know, context and performance environments that I never really thought about. For example, I worked quite a bit with medical, military medical personnel, you know, talking, talking with the surgeons and the, and the medics and the pilots um, that, that, that'll operate on a, on a Blackhawk as a, as a unit or, you know, all the way to the, the IT people in the army who set up the Wi-Fi and the internet and, and all those guys at like a, at a particular base. And, and just got to work and, and really think critically about all these concepts and see like, how could I apply these, these skill sets, the, these, these concepts to these people who I don't really know anything about what they do. And it was cool to like, for me to come into their world and for them, for me to bring them into mine. And I, and I use that principle to this day, like even as a former player, there's a lot of what professional baseball players go through that I never really had to, I never really had to think about. So sure. I just love like, them stepping into my world and me stepping into their world and really meeting us in that meeting each other in the middle. Cause that's really where the magic happens. Yeah. But also I think like a lot of what we did with the soldiers in that program that I was a part of is training leaders and training, training the coaches within the army. And a lot of what I do with the giants now is I work a lot with the coaches. I'd say probably my time is split between, you know, 50, 50, probably pretty even between players and coaches where I share a concept with coaches. I, I, I break it down with coaches. We collaborate on, you know, how to, how to best uh, get the, our players to develop quickly and efficiently. And that includes like strength coaches and athletic sure. trainers and really all the support staff as well. But really working alongside and collaborating with staff members is another skill set that directly translates um, working in like a, like a high performance environment within the army. Sure. I think the key word, I think you just kind of said there, the environment. I think if you're, you know, you're not when it comes to mental performance, I think my experience too with teams, if, if, if you're not involved with most of all the stakeholders that the athletes are going to interact with, it really weakens your ability to maximize some of the things, right? Totally. Right? Totally. Um, so what, one question, uh, what do you love that challenges you in your work? Yeah, I think like solving the unsolvable puzzle of like every player's unique mental game, I think like there are of course like general principles that I would say apply across the board, but every single player has different thought patterns, different thought defaults, 
different, um, you know, habits that either help them or, or, or don't help them on the field and being able to like piece all of those, all of those puzzle pieces together to, to create the, the most consistent mental game possible. Like that is, it's, it's almost impossible to do because you, everyone knows how our brains works. They, it changes on a daily basis and you know, how we, our perception and our perspective and how we see the world directly translates to, you know, how we train and how we, you know, how we conceptualize ourselves within the framework of a team or, 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 or our career. So like, it's almost like an unsolvable continuous puzzle that I just, I love to, to engage with every day, you know, getting to know these players and, and try to understand, you know, try how, for me to try to understand their thought process is incredibly hard because it's hard for them to understand their own thought processes. So like that, that is the one challenge that I, that I thoroughly enjoy is to just to try to solve an unsolvable puzzle of understanding every single player and, and person that I come in contact with, because as we know, like understanding ourselves is hard enough, but like understanding other people can be incredibly challenging as well. And it is. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, it does make it fascinating and fun at the same time. Uh, no doubt. Speaking of fun, is there a mental skill that you get jazzed to teach or you get excited to, to share with others when you get the opportunity? Oh man, there's, there's so many good ones to choose from. I would say that like, I'm, I'm going to cop out and, and throw out a skill that I can incorporate other skills into. Um, just because I think it's, like I said, this is an unsolvable puzzle and so complex, but I'd say just like the general principle of incorporating a routine and the importance of establishing a a really consistent routine. And, and the reason why is that every performance environment, no matter what you do, whether it's the military or sports or business, it doesn't matter. The, the, the performance environment itself is incredibly complex. There's so many moving parts. It's never the same. Um, And it's just always changing. In fact, I tell our players all the time, I'm like the cool thing about baseball is that let's just say there's approximately 200 pitches in every baseball game with every single pitch, the game changes. And for us to, in order to stay as consistent as possible, we are the ones that should not change because the game is always changing. So it's important to have that, that really uh, very consistent routine. And within the framework of that routine, we can incorporate, you know, breathing techniques or visualization or, you know, focal points or really anything that they find helpful, effective self-talk or something like that. So that's why, like, if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose a routine because within that framework of the routine, we can incorporate just all of those consistent mental skills to, to really maximize performance. Um, in, in a very ever changing environment, it's important for us to be as consistent and like, you know, flatline as possible. I think the, overlook sometimes with the routine is that it also gives you a process for evaluation, right? Like totally why that, that didn't work, you know, or, you know, last, you know, series that felt great now, you know, but it gives you, if you're not, don't have really something to kind of evaluate off of, it makes it harder to tweak and find those performance, you know, advantages, I guess, just like you said, all the other things that become a part of that. Totally. And I think like you hit, you hit it right on is that like encouraging players to, uh, to evaluate the routine actually helps them be much more process oriented as opposed to only focusing on or like evaluating the results or like what happened in that game or the series. Like the more you emphasize something that's process oriented, like a routine, the more the players are going to start to value those, those aspects that you, that you emphasize as a coach. So I think like the more you can have conversation facilitate uh, like those, those, those questions or just really prompt those players to evaluate their process 
the more likely they are to adopt that process-oriented mindset that we know is incredibly effective and beneficial for them. So I think that that's a great point in that the more we can like get them to reflect on the routine versus the results, I think that's going to be such a game changer for them long-term in terms of how well they can just reflect it and just learn from the whole process of competing. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned kind of stumbling into a, a conference room uh, on that kind of note of education and learning. Is there, you know, a mentor, author, or someone otherwise, or a couple people that you're like, love to learn from or read or that you're able to take some things from apply them to your work? Yeah. I, uh, I, I try to learn from as many people as possible. And, you know, as a, as a graduate student, you know, really a lifelong student, lifelong learner, I try to find just like a variety. And I think like, I try not to stay within just the lanes of sport and performance psychology. I try to go into the peripherals into leadership and, and like emotional intelligence and, and different aspects of just a human experience. So if I had to choose one author that I, that I truly gravitate towards is Simon Sinek. I, I really enjoy um, his discussions on business leadership and, and some of the principles of mindset that he alludes to. And um, just, just a lot of great principles that I think can apply, can be applied to a lot of different contexts. So, you know, I share a lot of Simon Sinek content with our, with our players and, and our coaches. And I, I recommend his books all the time. And um, another author I want to give a shout out to is Brene Brown. Really enjoy her stuff as well around emotional intelligence and courage and leadership and, um, it just, there's just a lot of good stuff out there. And again, like, of course I, I, I definitely am, am a huge sport and performance psychology nerd, but I try to like expand my horizon a little bit to, to see how I can synthesize all this information together, uh, to just really to provide the best resources and content for the players that I work with. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Brene is uh, fascinating. Have you watched that Netflix? Her Netflix? Oh yeah. Again? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Good. I was like, me and my wife were waiting to watch that together. So it's been in yeah, the queue. It's, so. it's, real, it's really good. I lo love her stuff as well. Uh, kind of uh, tangent off some of Brene's social emotional learning, stepping into mindfulness and meditation. Uh, that I feel has drastically changed in the sports environment and in our world. And uh, how does that play a role? Is, again, is it you know player specific, I'm sure? I mean, again, those things become personal parts of our routine, those kind of things. But how have you seen that play out? And how do you see kind of mindfulness and meditation a couple of years from now in sport? Yeah, I think um, the, the, I'd say the most common way I use the, the concept of mindfulness with our players is simply just bringing their, their awareness to the fact that our mind can drift to the past, present and future. And really sometimes we don't, we don't recognize that it's happening. We don't, you know, we don't, we aren't very intentional with when, where our mind tends to drift in terms of the past, present, and future. And then at that point, like just facilitate a discussion around like, well, when we're competing, where do you think we want our mind to be? Like at the most basic form. Cause I think at times when we jump into just saying like, all right, guys, we want to be present minded focus all the time. We might, they might, their eyes might gloss over. So it's really starting from the foundation of like, let's just acknowledge that our mind can go to three different places. Let's just, let's just like, let's understand that, that foundational concept. And then from there go like, all right, so when you're competing, do you want to be thinking about the past? Do you want to be thinking about the future? Do you want to think about the present? And 95% plus go like, well, of course I want to be focused on the present moment. Excellent. 
So now let's get into the skill set to bring our mind and our, and our focus to the present moment we're competing. So um, that's like, that I would say that's probably the, the way I would facilitate that conversation up front if someone's not really familiar with mindfulness or, you know, doesn't have a, a mindfulness practice in, in their daily routine. That's how I, that's how I kick it off is just, let's just acknowledge this, this fact. And then from there, like you said, is very individualized. So based on, you know, how I get to know the player, I, I can understand whether, you know, do they, do they struggle with like the thought replacement or like CBT based strategies? Okay, well, let's go for more, more of a mindfulness based technique where they're more accepting of their thoughts and they're more observing their thoughts and, and, and one specific skill under the framework or under the umbrella of mindfulness that I tend to default to that I think is super effective is just this idea of diffusion from our thoughts where you know, instead of like latching onto our thoughts and, 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 and believing they're true and just running on this runaway train of, of what our think or what our thoughts are doing, just being able to detach and name our thoughts to create more space between what happens yeah. to us and our response. And um, so again, like, this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but I think it's, it's important to, to understand and have so many skill sets and tool, tools in your toolkit as a, as a practitioner just to provide the, the athlete with what they need and not necessarily what you want or feel comfortable in talking about. Because there's been times where I've had a conversation with a player and I'm like, man, like they could really benefit from like a really complex concept. And maybe I'm not as super, not as comfortable talking about a particular skill than, than, than other ones, but it's not really about me. It's about what they need in that moment. And um, so I just try to like continue to expand the, the toolkit and, and giving them as many strategies as I can, whether it's mindfulness based or not, it really doesn't matter to me. I just want them to have the, the best mental skill set so they can perform as consistently and, and, and as elite as possible. Love it. Um, let's see. I'm going to ask you if you could wave a magic wand today, Kellen, and every baseball player, student athlete out there would adopt a mental skill practice. What, what would the thing you'd want all, all kids and student athletes out there tinkering with, if you could make magic happen today? Whew, man, that is an excellent question. Um, I would say the, it, it not necessarily a skill, but more an, an adoption of a mindset. If, if that, if that, mm -hmm. if that's fine. Okay. No rules for this question. Okay. Excellent. We got a no magic rules. wand. We got a magic Beautiful. wand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We had a magic wand. So if I had a magic wand, I would want every student athlete or athlete or really person to adopt the mindset that regardless of their skill level, their goal of improvement and continuous development should never change. And, and that includes like the, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of their skill level, regardless of, um, the, the, the role that they play within their organization, whether it's sports or not, because at the end of the day, your skill set and your, your, your environment and your role that you, you fulfill, you fill in your particular organization or team, it, it, there's so many factors that go into that, but the only factor that doesn't go into that particular decision is the one that you need to make on a daily basis is that I just need to get better and develop and improve and learn. And if I, if I could get everyone to, to adopt that idea that, you know, the, the, the rate and the way that they learn is going to be more indicative and more predictive of their future versus what their, what their current situation is. That's what I would want for people because I think so many times people get caught up in what their present situation is and, and almost like 
use it as a predictive measurement tool of the future, but it's really not like we can, we can change and influence the future by just simply learning, changing, developing, adapting to what we're currently our current state. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I would want them to adopt is no matter what their situation or circumstances or skill level, just adopt the same goal of improving and developing on a, on a daily basis. That's it. Have some faith in your neuroplasticity. That's, that's allowed it. us to survive for so many years, right? That's it, man. That's uh, it. One last question. Uh, always love to ask uh, our guests is, is how do you view or define success? Ooh, man. Another good one. Um, I would say that it's relative to, what you're doing is relative to the individual. Um, and I would say that success is defined by your ability to perceive progress in developing yourself and your, your craft and whatever it might be. So again, I want it to be much more process oriented definition because if I only focus on the long-term success or outcomes that, that, are, that come from our work, a lot of that, there's so many factors that go into that. So I, I really want to, the success just to be a continuous improvement, very similar to my, the answer to the previous question, but it's just a perception of progress and development in whatever, whatever or like who you are as a person or what your craft is or what your you know, skill set might be. So mm. just, just looking back in the mirror and going like, yeah, I, I, I developed today. I would say that that would be my definition of success. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.